You're listening to Biz Quick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. Biz Quick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And on today's show, we have Dom Einhorn. Dom is the founder of Unicorn Incubator Accelerator. He's out of France, but before we bring him on, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about incubators and well, not so much incubators. We're going to talk about funding for startups and the pros and cons of having funding when you launch your startup or not having funding when you launch your startup, which a lot of people have that problem as well. Yes. Yes. That was a complicated intro. Basically, we're going to talk about starting a, launching your startup and the pros and cons of having funding and not having funding. Do you want to try that again? No, I think okay. we're going to go with this. <laughs> All right, let's run with it. <laughs> let's run with it. Sometimes you're not perfect. Sometimes you're not perfect. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, the like, there's obviously a significant benefit to having financial backing. Sure. Well, yeah, I guess one of the benefits to having financial backing would be that you're not so stressed all the time over money. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a huge pro there and I mean if you're if you get somebody to back your business to give you money uh, and and not a rich family member it's an actual investor somebody who's looked at your business plan and and vetted you and and what you do. I mean that's a huge boost to your confidence level as well. Yeah, you know, we recently on an episode talked to Jonathan Federa, Federa, and um, he said something about, you know, funding for your financing for your small business that I hadn't really considered before. Where, you know, you look at like taking out, you know, a term loan or SBA loan or whatever, right? And he talked about, he mentioned very briefly the downside of getting funding from a family member and the stress that that puts on on um, the family relationships. And I don't know why, but I had never really thought about that before, I guess, because I was always thinking, of course, if you're going to take a loan out from a family member, you're going to pay it back. But what happens if the business fails? So, you know, getting funding from somebody who's in your family is not always the best avenue to take for your business. Did you never think about that? Because nobody in your family would lend you money? No, that's not. Absolutely not it. <laughs> that's funny though. Um, <laughs> it's funny because it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's not true. No, that it, it is. It, it, it being somebody myself who I've I've had no problem borrowing money from anybody. But yes, it's definitely a lot easier to borrow it from a nameless, faceless bank, especially nowadays when you have all these online solutions where it's like, oh well, you know, whatever. It's such and such company dot com. You know. Granted, I have paid back everything that I've ever borrowed, but it's just a lot easier to do it because if you let somebody down, you're really only letting yourself down. Yeah. Yeah. Lendmemoney.com or something. That probably exists, actually. It probably does. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing. So what are the down 
downs, what's the downside or some of the downsides, the cons to having a backer, like going through an incubator or something and getting backing? Well, not so much the incubator. Um, cause I mean, I think the incubators got more of a stake in your business in terms of, you know, cause obviously they want to see you succeed. It's, it's almost like hiring a, you know, a consultant or whatever to a degree where that, that company, that business, that person, whoever it is, is going to, they have some sort of stake in the game. But I mean, one of the downsides is it's not your money. Like, especially if you're bringing little to nothing to the table, if you're just bringing an idea, you're bringing technology or sweat equity, if you don't have skin in the game it's a lot easier for you to walk away. Like if things are getting tough, if, if it's not working out the way that you want it to, you know, you can just say, all right, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And let's, let's be real. It's generally not an easy path when you're starting yeah. a business. I would assume too, that there might be a little bit, um, you have less control. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the deals that you work out with whoever the investor is. Mm. Um, you're going to have less control. You're giving up equity, obviously, which can be a good thing or a bad thing. If you're talking about a billion dollar company, giving up 20%, 30%, no big deal. You know, if you're only planning on making a million dollars this year, maybe 30% is a significant part of your business because it is. Yeah. I would agree. There are a couple of things that I'm really interested in asking Dom. The first one is like, how does one start an incubator? Like I I'm very curious about that, but I'm also super curious about the name unicorn incubator accelerator. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. You are getting hung up on that quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it's a, it it's probably sounds way cooler in French. I bet it I'm does. Be honest. <laughs> I bet it, I bet it does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the obvious, you know, the downside there of giving up control and all of that is, is an issue, but I think, and personally it depends on the deal. I, I think it's worth it. If you have something that could potentially be a, you know, multi, multi-million dollar company or, or idea or project, it, it's definitely worth it because especially in, in tech these days, you need that money. Yeah. And, and if you're going to, you know, if you're going to make the, the, the awesome new app or whatever it is, the com- competition's huge. I mean, you're competing against the Amazons and Facebooks of the world. Correct. And, you know, and I, I would say too, that if you've started a small business, if you've started a business at some point, you've been stressed <laughs> over money. Like at some point in the journey of that business, you've been stressed, right? So, you know, being, you know, completely transparent in our first year, we've had moments where we've been like, okay, what do we do next? Right. And there's not a lot of joy in stressing over money, right? It's kind of one of the worst things to go through is that particular level of stress and trying to solve that problem. Now, lucky I mean, for us, we're, we're pretty creative problem solvers and, and the stress was fairly minor for us, but it was certainly there. So I think when you are starting a business, if you have somebody who's backing you financially, that just frees you up to focus a lot on, a lot more on the business and solving the business problems rather than the funding problems. Yeah, and, and having somebody like an incubator you know, having, like, if they have your back, like, like, you know, for instance, Dom would, you don't have to go out and find the money. 
that's their job. They're going to go out and find the money for you. If you start, you know, for whatever reason, you, you start running out of money, you blow through your budget, whatever. If it's something that they believe in, they're going to go out and can, and do that work for you. Yeah. You might have to go pitch the idea. You might have to prepare a presentation, whatever it is, but you're not out there knocking on people's doors asking for money. Yeah. I guess I hadn't thought about that, but you're, you're right. So that's, you've kind of got a, a partner in helping you on the financial side Yeah, and the, you know, they've launched businesses before, so they're, sure. they can help with all of the, the startup pieces. So that's, not to that's mention good. the networking and everything that comes with it as that's well. That's true. That's, um, that's very true. Plus, you know, I think he's, um, he's in France, so he's probably somewhere near wine country. Yeah. So there's, that's always a benefit too. That is always a benefit. Yeah. Yes. All right. You think we should bring them in from the waiting room? Yep. Let's do it. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have Dom Einhorn. Hey everyone. We wanted to tell you about our latest course foundation 52 that will be available on February 15th. This course is built to provide tools and techniques every week of the year and is designed to improve your small business. If you're thinking about starting a business, this is a great resource for you as well. We walk you through sales, customer service, disaster planning, growth strategies, and so much more. Head on over to SB Pace to sign up today. Okay, welcome back to the show. We've got our guest, Dom Einhorn. He's the founder of Unicorn Incubator Accelerator. That's a mouthful. Thanks for having me on, Julie and Corey. Pleasure being here. Welcome to the show. Or as we like to say, welcome to the big show. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to France. <laughs> yes, yes. I forgot to mention that Dom is out of France, but he, uh, he's he got a, a business accelerator there in, in France. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I want to jump in first. Um, you've got a pretty interesting history in, in business, uh, some, some failures and some successes. Could you uh, walk us through what that was like for you? Sure. I uh, started early on in my early 20s. I moved initially from France to the U.S. in March of 1993. Uh, when I did move to the U.S., I already knew I wanted to launch a startup. Uh, at that point in time, 28 years ago, the U.S. was a much better place to start a new business than France was. A lot less bureaucracy, easier access to anything the Internet uh, you know, was representing, was providing. In fact, at that point in time, we didn't call it the internet. We called it the information superhighway initially, for those of you who are old enough to remember. Uh, 9,600 baud modems, for those of you who are old enough as well, they made the very clunky noise. Uh, you know, I started again, uh, 93, 94. Uh, I founded initially the uh, first online art auction uh, there ever was between 94 and 95. Uh, the reason why I did start this auction is because I had a number of artists as clients, all of which had one thing in common. They were starving. I was starving as well. And uh, for most all of them, in lieu of cash, they actually paid me in art, which I couldn't eat, but uh, which I still have today. And I'm glad I do because a couple of them made it pretty big. Uh, one of them recently passed away, unfortunately. Uh, rest in peace. But, uh, you know, the value of his art is probably 50-fold what it was back when I was originally representing him. Uh, but once in a while, you get lucky, uh, especially if you push your luck. But, uh, you know, in terms of failures, as you mentioned, Corey, I have my own uh, philosophy of failures. Uh, for me, failures are a necessary stepping stone to success. And if I look at my career in particular, uh, early on in my career, I was selling websites 
when no one wanted the website and most people didn't know what a website was. We're now talking 93, 94, 95. It was literally like selling ice to Eskimos. And I was pitching 36 people to close one sale, one website. So I came up with my own rule. I call it a rule of 36 over one. I had to go through 35 failures before having a mini success. And despite failing 95% of the time, several years later, I sold that business for roughly $12 million US. Uh, for those of you who are listening, that's probably a lesson to take home. Uh, you don't have to hit home runs every single time. Again, uh, much worse than Michael Jackson, you know, who famously said, I miss a lot more shots than I made. I missed 95% of my shots and yet ultimately was deemed a success. Yes. Great. So when you said that you were selling websites, like the designed websites or like- Yeah, we actually, yeah exactly. It's funny, funny you asked that question because you wouldn't use that term anymore today. Uh, it wasn't actually, you know, there were not finished websites that we were reselling. We we're actually building websites at the early stage when no one had one. And funny enough too, the first business that gave me a shot, which I think is still around today, was a pregnancy device for horses. You know, out of all things, we, I mean, we looked at this and we're like, it is unbelievable, you know? The big brands don't want a website, you know, the people are really needed. The people who are actually selling electronics, you know, don't want a website. And the first guy gave me a shot with this guy with his pregnant, you know, pregnancy device for horses. It was almost ironic. That, that's, that's weird um, and funny. And, and it's uh, an interesting thing that we always kind of talk about is you never know where the opportunities are going to come from. You think that you've got a plan and, and, you know, you can count on these people or you're going to go over there and do this. And then the next thing you know, you turn around and you're making a website for a horse pregnancy company. That's what a lot of people call luck, right? So there is, there, there is no such thing as luck. I mean, again, if you fail 95% of the time uh, and then in the 96th time you actually make a sale, you know, that's not lucky. You're pushing your luck. You're going through the pain. So it, it does take a tremendous amount of grit, resilience, and discipline in order to actually put up with that. And I would say most people are not willing to do that. So, you know, again, we're running an incubator here. I can tell you out of experience, I've been in this business now for 28 years. Uh, I cannot demonstrate it scientifically, but I can tell you empirically that 5% of the people have what it takes to become a successful entrepreneur. Yeah. So nothing wrong about that, right? Look, we need artists, we need doctors, we need other people, you know, overwhelmingly so other people every single day. So don't be shy, don't be timid about not having what it takes to be an entrepreneur because you're going to get knocked down, you have to have the ability to get up and you have to do it with a smile. Right. Agreed. I and mean, it takes a lot of grit to be an entrepreneur, um, especially these days. What exactly is an incubator? That's a good, yeah, yeah, good question. You know, I tend to forget to define what we do because I live it on a day to day basis. But mm -hmm. the easiest way to describe to you guys what an incubator does is we all know what an incubator is in a hospital environment, right? Yeah. So, premature baby is born to make sure the baby is nursed back to health and becomes stronger and eventually leaves the hospital is we stick it into an incubator, right? Mm -hmm. We do the exact same thing with startups. At the onset, businesses that just start out are obviously the weakest, hence the high failure rates that we all know. What we do is we provide it with the nurturing ecosystem to first 
survive, eventually grow up and ultimately thrive. I'm not sure if one video, but this is what an incubator does. This is my business card, right? For those of you who can't see it, incubation first is the crawl stage, acceleration is the walk stage, and then you thrive, you actually run. Crawl, walk, run. We've all heard that one before. Right. This is exactly what an incubator accelerator does, right? There are two very delineated stages. Incubation usually takes three to six months, depending on the level of maturity of the startup that you're bringing under your fold. Acceleration can last years. Acceleration basically means that once the business is solid enough, sound enough to survive, we want to make sure that it can thrive. And usually the way that happens is we work a lot on customer acquisition, on sales and business development. So let's assume a mobile app that you incubate initially. First, you wanna make sure that it doesn't break. So you wanna have the right engineering around it. You wanna make sure the hosting is right. You wanna have make sure it has the right UI, UX design, user facing design. And then you may get the first 500,000, 5,000, 10,000 downloads and you see user acquisition, user traction taking place. At that point in time, we would typically move that startup into our accelerator to take that product market fit that we've just demonstrated at a small level and scale it exponentially. So when you're looking at, when, when you're working with um, startups, are, they, are you finding them or are they coming to you? Initially, and that's interesting about, I guess, you know, what makes us different is I, I initially was the entrepreneur, right? So when I started in this business, there was no such thing. The term incubator accelerator didn't exist outside of the hospital environment, right? It started in the late 90s, early 2000s, but it was so much harder to, to, to start and launch a business. It was so much more expensive to launch a business in the 90s. To give you one very telling example. I recently went through one of my storage boxes and I came across an invoice that I paid in March of 1998. It was a bandwidth invoice, itemized, itemized as such. I spent $8,000 in March of 1998 for just bandwidth that we were using. And today I'm using 1,000 times more bandwidth and it cost me roughly $15 a month. Isn't so you crazy? see, you see that ratio, right? Yeah. Another exa another example for those of you again who are old enough in the late '90s, early 2000s, if you wanted to launch an e-commerce website, which was somewhat of a novelty back then, you needed to have a database. You know, the only database that was around was an Oracle database, and we were paying thirty-two thousand dollars US per instance of a database, and we were running four. Right. So unless you would either had enough money to get started, unless you had a half a million dollars or a million bucks to get started, you had no point being in business. You would outspend yourself within the first three or four months and you'd be done. Fast forward a quarter century. Everything has democratized. Everything has demonetized today. The kid in sub-Saharan Africa can just launch a competitor to what I do just as easily as I can because I don't want to say money is no longer the object, but it's becoming less and less an object because of this demonetization effect, right? For taking this device, a smartphone, let's remember when the smartphone first launched, I needed a briefcase to carry it around. It was super bulky. It cost a fortune. 
and it hardly ever worked. Then that smartphone became smaller, 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 cheaper, 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 and today does everything, right? So when economists calculate GDP, this device, any smartphone that we're holding in our hands today is only accounted for for the raw materials that it costs to actually produce this device. What is embedded in that device, which is a million dollars worth of technology, is not accounted for at all, like it didn't even exist. So when we're calculating GDP, we're making a huge error today because the real value, aside from the raw material, is not accounted for. And this device has been getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, while the performance, the price performance, has grown exponentially a thousandfold. So who are your, um, like, who's your, who's your target market in terms of customers? And are they all local to France or are they worldwide or? So right in terms of just general management inside the incubator, we're roughly 30 people today from 18 different countries. And actually something that makes us unique and it's not by design, it's by pure chance, more women than men, right? Which is very rare in the tech space. Try to go to Silicon Valley, you'll see a ratio of 95% male versus females, right? It's, it's pretty rare. We're, we've taken a global approach right from the start. Again, that's due to my own career. I've been traveling all over the place, lived in the US, lived in Central America, had offices in uh, the Philippines, offices in the US, offices in Africa, et cetera, et cetera. So I've been kind of like, no matter how good you are internally, there's always someone smarter outside, right? That's just by definition, the way it happens. So I've been drafting talent from all over the place because they just happen to live everywhere. Smart young people are everywhere today, right? In terms of startups, we also have a very strong international flair, very similar to our, the makeup of our management team where we have startups from the US, from Canada, from Spain, from France, all over the place. So we're completely agnostic when it comes to that. What we look for are outstanding projects and extraordinary individuals. This may sound stupid, but usually what I say is it's hard to build something extraordinary with ordinary people, right? We call it extraordinary for a reason. And that little extra, usually in my book, in my experience, is that an amazing grit, that amazing hustle, the ability to get up when you get knocked down, because we're all going to be facing that, right? For those of you who have started the business, you know exactly what I'm talking about, because if you're still in business today, it means you got back up after you get knocked down. Okay, I want to go back to the question I asked earlier, because I think we got sidetracked and didn't actually answer it, or if we did... My apologies, getting late in France. That's okay. We were there's a, we're covering a lot of ground here. So, when you are taking on clients at the incubator, are they coming to you or are you going to them? Like, how do you partner yeah. up with somebody and how does do you fund that project or do they come with funding? So, really, okay. two questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So initially, I had a very strong network. Always have had a strong network that I took me 25 years to build. So I've always had a good solid number of projects by way of referrals, I've never advertised, for example, right, to get those projects. I've always been aligned with investors who have worked with me on projects that come with me to me with new projects. In some cases, say, hey, Dom, you and your team take care of all the incubation, the acceleration, all the marketing, or I'm not putting my money in. And they're actually dictating that to the startup entrepreneurs. So obviously the startup entrepreneur has at that, in that point, that scenario, no choice but to contact us. Today, many years later, 
there's on a bad day we get 80 pitches 80 decks sent to us on a good day 150 and more so we don't even have a chance where we have to build internal filters where you know you i'm sure you get the same messages on linkedin if somebody just attaches a deck and sends it to you without even saying hello right yes that means goodbye right you don't say hello it's an automatic goodbye it's kind of like the first rule of thumb that eliminates 20 to 25 percent then other ones come and say, hey, John, I'm sorry, buddy. My name is Dom. Next, cut and paste, bad cut and paste, see the next guy. All right, so once you go through these filters, internally, we assess a project first upon, depending on financial viability. So I have a partner of mine who is a CFA. He's American. He's been on Wall Street, spent 25 years on Wall Street. He actually, before it reaches my desk, makes sure there is viability from a financial perspective. Once it comes to me, because I'm a marketer by trade, the first thing that I look at is our ability to add value to that project. If I see that we can quickly, efficiently, relatively, relatively less resources than what usually happens, produce that value, I'll probably engage and dig deeper. If it's something that just strongly deviates from our core, we're probably not going to take it. Our core, first of all, we only do tech. Secondly, we are doing tech in very specific domains because today when you say you do tech, everything is touched by tech, right? So for example, we're in a rural area. Until very recently, I had never done agri-tech, agricultural technologies, but I've got more and more pressure, good pressure that I'm now slowly warming up to the idea of actually doing some food tech, some agri-tech, which I had never done before. But our core domain would be fintech, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, virtual reality, educational technologies, specifically in the B2C, in the business to consumer, on the business to consumer side, because of our ability to market to large audiences, which is something we've developed over many years. Does that answer your question? It does. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I, when, when somebody approaches you, are you helping them get funding? Um, oh, forget that part. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah. So usually I'm the first money in personally, right? There's not a single startup that we're currently incubating inside inside Unicorn. Unicorn, by the way, is obviously play on words. For those of you who are in the tech space, a unicorn in the tech space is a company that's valued at a billion dollars or more, which was usually startup entrepreneurs are aspiring to. And then secondly, my last name, Einhorn in German means unicorn as well, hmm. right? So that's a little play in words. But yes, we're, as of today, always first money in. So either myself first and foremost, or myself along with a group of investors whom I worked with for a long period of time. So it's kind of like a seal of approval, a validation stamp. When I go out and I raise more money, I can, I always have skin in the game first, right? So that adds a tremendous level of authority and, and credibility when you go out and you're pitching somebody else. I'm already in. Right. Now, I understand if you don't like the deal, if you want to walk away, but at least you cannot tell me that I don't have skin in the game. Yeah. Yeah, great. Um, well, we are running out of time here. So before we go, can you tell our uh, listeners where they can find you, how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, I think I'm the only Dom Einhorn on uh, LinkedIn, D-O-M as in Mary. Einhorn is E-I-N-H-O-R-N. Uh, website is unicornincubator.com. That's unicorn with a Q. 
uh, email dom at unicorninkubator.com. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the show today and telling our listeners all about an incubator accelerator. It was a really interesting conversation. Yes, it and was. thanks to our listeners. We'll put all of your Dom's information in the show notes for everybody who wants to reach out to him. And if you want to connect with us, you can go to our websites, sbpace.com or bizquickpodcast.com. And you can connect with us on social media. We are on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And while you're out on the internet, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. Like us and give us a review. We love feedback. We do. And you can reach out about any topics that you want us to cover. If you want to be a guest, uh, head on over to bizquickpodcast.com and you can fill out the form there. And while you're on the internet, go buy our book. We've got a number one bestseller on Amazon. It is Seriously Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. And we have a digital workbook download on our website. Yeah, it's a really good book. We encourage you to read it. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across the globe.